What is up, P7 family? Thank you so much for joining us for this P7 podcast. We're excited that you're here hanging out with us. The goal of this podcast is to, yes, inform you. We want to bring things that you can do in your P7 club to grow your P7 club or perhaps grow you as a leader. But ultimately, we want to inspire you through God's word because we know through his word and his spirit, we can be transformed. So grab a pen, grab some paper, or grab your phone and open up the notes section. Write some things down. We know that it's going to help you. Let's dive in. Every speaker we have here is very intentional. And Brother Thompson, he loves people. He loves souls. And it's an honor that you take some time out of his busy schedule to bring forth the word of the Lord for us tonight. Pastors in Mississauga, Ontario. Brother Akil, my friend, the floor is yours. Out of the land of milk and honey. Praise God. Out, out of the land of milk and honey, sir. <laughs> Yo, let me say how much I appreciate you, my friend. I'm thankful for your leadership here in the Ontario district. For the boy, I greet you. And uh, just uh, all of my uh, P7 fam, you know, I appreciate you all, respect you, and uh, love to hear these wonderful reports. And I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, my man Imani gave me a topic that he recommended, and I'm going to hop in that vein and hope that it blesses you. Just about being who God uniquely called you to be. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, if we don't operate in that, let me just kind of, I'm already starting to flow because this is like one of my passionate topics. Help me, Jesus. You will never operate outside of your perceived identity. I need you to understand that so important and how you see yourself is critical. And you need to understand that we don't need another Nomani, uh, you know, we don't need a Seth. We don't need a Joshua. We don't need a Miles. We don't need another Akil. We need you to be who God has uniquely created you to be. And when you understand that and begin to operate out of that in a Godfidence, not a confidence, not self-esteem, but in a Godfidence, it's going to make an eternal difference and you're going to have a massive kingdom impact. So I want to direct you to some scripture really quickly. Let's go to first Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse 26. And as you're opening up your Bible app or your Bible, uh, let's check this out. And I want to shout out my family, love my wife and kids. We just, my wife and I just celebrated 22 years of marriage and I've got two amazing kids uh, and we're thankful. Hey, you know, what's really cool. Uh, so we're a young church plant. We've been here four years and two months and something happened yesterday for the first time. We, by the grace of God, we've been here four years and we've seen 51, 52 people receive the baptism of the Holy ghost. I give God praise for that. God is doing it, but here's, what's cool. Uh, as you, if you've ever been a part of a young church plant or church plant, you know, you're trying to create a culture. And so everybody is literally first generation. I'm first generation, but uh, our kids trying to get our kids to respond and engage. And so yesterday we had one of our children, not my own, but one of our own, we call them e-kids receive the baptism of the Holy ghost. And we celebrate what God is doing. Many of them are responding at the altar, man, crying out. So super cool. So we're riding like really high, uh, about what God is doing there. So, uh, and a shout out to my pastor, Doug White, I know many of you all, if you love your pastor and you appreciate your pastor, just give your pastor a shout out in the comments. Let him know you appreciate him. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. For you see your calling. I could stop right there. The calling is yours. You need to own this, okay? It's yours. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, 
not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Praise God. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Wow. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I just, I don't necessarily have like a, a a title. I just was kind of perusing my thoughts. And I just want to talk to you about just being uniquely you. You know, in recent years, many of you know uh, this, that scientific research has taken what some would call a quantum leap because they have discovered how to clone sheep and mice and a whole bunch of other uh, human organs. It's, it's really wild. And if you don't know, cloning is basically the process by which genetic material uh, from one animal is transplanted into another animal's eggs after the natural DNA has been removed. So this egg is then implanted in the womb of a surrogate mother where it grows and develops normally. The result is the cloned animal whose DNA is identical to that of the donor. Now, I don't even want to take time to unpack the moral you know, ramifications of this. And we're not, we're not going to go there tonight. But if cloning is such a good idea, why didn't God already do it with us? Now, clearly, I know he makes identical twins. I, I, I get that. But, you know, he could have easily cloned us. But instead, he, cho he chose in his sovereignty and in his wisdom to make us unique, one-of-a-kind beings with their own special features and identity. This is a great gift indeed. You need to know that God did not make a mistake. You, the way you are uniquely wired is a gift. And that in and of itself is a gift to culture, to society, to your academic world, to the body of Christ. And if you could just get your understanding in scriptural alignment, <laughs> I have that kind of paradigm shift, something will be activated in you and there'll be a freedom. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. If we were all the same, we'd have similar viewpoints. We'd have similar likes and dislikes. Everybody would think that Michael Jordan is the goat if they thought like me. And then they would think LeBron is a clear second. If they just had any good sense they would know this. I don't know why my man is. <laughs> See, you, you can tell, brother Boyd is anointed. I knew, I knew I felt a flow. Praise God. And go ahead and shout, sir. Go ahead and shout. Yeah, Amani, on the other hand, we're gonna we, we, we're gonna pray for him, fam. For somebody said false doctrine. I can't receive that. <laughs> I can't I, I, I don't receive that, sir. I don't receive that. So look, uh, if we all had it, though, we have similar likes and dislikes. However, our natural differences have brought about various types of art, music, fashion, culture for my foodies, cuisine. Think about that. Likewise, you know, our dissimilarities allow us to make different contributions to the church, talking about the body of Christ. 
The church is made up of different members. Jesus has a special assignment for each of us. I need you to let this sink in. He has a divine assignment just for you. For example, Peter was chosen to be the spokesperson, if you will, of the apostles on the day of Pentecost, which we're going to be celebrating here in a few days. Well, I know we live it and celebrate it every day, but you all understand what I'm saying. He was a natural leader, okay? While Paul was good at starting churches and analyzing and correcting problems in, in local assemblies and having very difficult conversations. Can you imagine Peter trying to have a very difficult conversation delicately? His emotional intelligence was vastly different than that of Paul's. Paul found himself in such a myriad of circumstances and his ability to connect with people. That's why he said, I'm going to be all things to all people. Wow. That emotional intelligence is off the charts. Peter, on the flip side, Peter would just say it and offend everybody. Peter would do stuff like, James just showed up. Oh, I was eating with the Gentiles. I'm not anymore. It's like, what, what, bro? What, what are we doing? The emotional and sens sensibilities were very different. They were uniquely gifted differently. And the church embraced that. That's what I love about the early church. We got to get back to that. And, and, and Bible, it's okay to be who God created you to be. And we have a responsibility to not only embrace that, let me help out my leaders, but to embrace the results that come along with that. Because I don't want Imani to do it like me. I don't want Seth to do it like me. I don't want Sarah or Joshua to do it like me. And so we have to understand that. Now, this is, this is true because the scripture declares that there are no distinctions in nationality or social order or gender in God's kingdom. At the same time, clearly differences exist. And the point that Paul was making is that every Christian is of equal worth in the Lord's eyes, in spite of their differences. And if we're not careful, our differences often can become a source of division. And Paul realized that God wants to keep unity. Keep in mind, though, unity is not uniformity or sameness. Identical twins may look alike, yes, but they can have a very different opinion and have very different characteristics. So your differences are what help and accentuate your value. Let me just kind of stop here for a moment and just help you. You are valuable because of who you are, period, period. Not whether, not your gifting, not your relational connections, not your academic performance, not your compensation, not what the internship is saying and rating you to position you for your career track. I'm telling you, you're valuable because you belong to him. That's it. You know what's amazing? Jesus, when he's baptized, the spirit, the heavens open, the spirit descends like a dove and the spirit of the Lord speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hasn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He hasn't unstopped any deaf ears. Why is the Lord pleased? Because he's my son. You and I are his, and that's why we have value. We have to learn to find our identity and our value in Jesus Christ. And I know that can be difficult, right, if we're just keeping it 100, because we live in such a performance-driven culture and world, and we are comparing ourselves to everybody and their mama on social media. 
Uh, and I'm not mad at you if you, you're doing your TikTok thing and I don't have TikTok and I'm barely doing well to just keep IG, you know, going and I don't really fool with much else. But you know what? Uh, hey, can I just tell you, it will steal your joy if you try to do and compare yourself to others. As a matter of fact, not only will it steal your joy, it will paralyze you or immobilize you from stepping forward in faith to see what God wants to do in your life. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Let him who began a good work, let him be faithful to complete it. And if God has called you to do whatever God has called you to do, do that in the unique way he's called you to do it and watch him get the glory and function like that. We got to learn to just celebrate with one another and celebrate what God is doing in our lives as opposed to, oh, wow, that church, this is what, let me just give you a little secret. I have like no clue what any other church is doing. For all my leaders, P7 fam out there, let me just help you. You're so entrepreneurial and you're responding to the call. I, I don't know what any other churches do. I'm not here to compete with other churches. I tell my extraordinary church fam, you know what we're here to do? We're here to complete one another. We're not here to compete. You know, church across town, I don't know what they're doing. Praise God. I hope they're having revival. Praise the Lord. I'm praying for them. I'm believing and declaring it in the name of Jesus. But all I can do is be responsible for what God has called me to do. The people that he has put under my care, that's who I'm responsible for. That's it. Can I just tell you, don't worry about, celebrate when you hear the wonderful reports. Celebrate like when my girl Kylie or celebrate with Sarah. But you know what? Don't let that be the standard. The standard, let me just let him, I'm going to set somebody free right now if you receive this. So you ready? Somebody can get up and shout. The standard is not what everybody else is doing. The standard is obedience. I'm going to shout on that one. Praise God. And you know what? I'm going to shout in my fake Crocs. You don't even see them. I ain't even got on real Crocs. That's, I don't even care. That's what I'm talking about. I'm in my frocks. I don't know what they call them. They don't even got brand on it. But you know what? I'm not worried about that. You got to shout. You got to praise. You have to just be obedient. Obedient. That is the key. That's it. That's it. The results are up to God. If we do anything else, we all of a sudden are saying, you know what? God, I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing. I think I've got it. I think I've got it. No, 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 no. Let him do it. Let him do it. It's his. It's his. Thank you, Jaylee. Thank you, Daniela. Anyway, let me, let me just, so God is not looking for an ocean of sameness. Some people are so worried about what others think of them that they wind up surrendering a good portion of their individuality to meet other people's expectations. Can I tell you, can I just be like brutally honest with you all? And I hope you, uh, I don't know what you'll think of me, but I'll just, just keep it at 100. I don't know how to do anything else. I, when I, so I didn't grow up in this thing. And when I received the Holy Ghost, I was like, oh, snap, Jesus is real. Like I didn't grow up in a church culture. Now I've been around 25, 26, yeah, 26 years. Um, and so now I kind of have an idea of the di different nuances. God's been so good. I've, I've preached in a variety of churches and church cultures and different countries. And I have an opportunity to appreciate some things. So uh, I can remember uh, kind of acquiescing and feeling the pressure early on in my ministry. I never even wanted to preach. That wasn't my thing. When I just found out Jesus was real, I was like, oh, snap. I was like, wow. And then when he called me later to preach, 
I finally relented and said, okay, God, I'll do that. Uh, and as I began to preach, I can remember preaching in certain environments and people would, uh, they would put pressure on me uh, to preach a particular way. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not a hooper. <laughs> That's, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm not that. And I remember, you know, they'd be like, oh man, you, you get up to introduce, like, we got to break out the organ tonight and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, hope, I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> I'm just going to give it, I'm going to deliver it like God has given it to me. But I felt this pressure to be something that I wasn't. And it had become so restrictive, so unfulfilling. I was like, is, is this it? And Lord was like, no. When you realize that you're free to be who I called you to be, then you'll experience all that I have for you. But if I want to be, Imani Jr. and try to experience all or some of what God has for him, I'm out of alignment. You need to be in kingdom alignment and submit to the sovereignty of God and rejoice that he has uniquely wired and gifted you to be who you are and you are a gift to the body of Christ. I want you to think about this because uh, here's the deal. The apostle Paul, see, when God created us, he gave us a free will, right? We understand that. And our differences celebrate his refusal to make us clones or cookie cutter Christians. The apostle Paul said we should become like Christ in character. Let me help you. Not in personality or outward preferences. Therefore, as we constantly try to conform to Christ's image, his nature. Let's keep in mind that God wants us to retain our unique identity. Am I making sense right now? This doesn't mean we can hang on to the sin in our lives, and for this would prevent us, obviously, from being holy like the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, what he wants us to be is individuals, and it's fine if we have different tastes and different views about certain things and others, providing that they don't cause division and clearly, they're within the boundaries of the word of God. But you need to ask yourself, if you love to uh, design and develop, then go and make something out of nothing. If you love to organize, uh, then bring order out of chaos. If you like to operate and maintain and develop systems and processes, do that. If you just love to serve and help, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what? You have no idea the impact you are making just with a kind word being spoken, just by listening to someone. I'll never forget, you know, you, hopefully y'all got some good church mamas. Brian, hope you got some good church mamas at your church where they just will love on you and encourage you. And I can remember when I first came into the church and God was doing the work in my life. One of them good church mamas that know how to make banana pudding, praise God, and, you know, can make the mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and collard greens. She said to me, she said, baby, she said, I think you're going to do something great for God. I hadn't even thought about that. And just the seed that she planted in me of the thought of, God, might you want to do something with my life? And I'm not saying I have or haven't done anything great for the Lord, but just that word opened up the horizons and installed in me a, what I call a growing yes. You never realize just one conversation. You know what I love about Ananias in scripture? Ananias literally shows up in scripture and fades right back out. We see very little about Ananias, but he literally shaped the, this planet through Paul. 
He was a certain disciple. He had a relationship with God. He knew his lane. God knew that he wasn't a fearful man, even though he was like, wait a second, God. Wait, hold up. Wait a minute. This, 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 the dude that wilding out, he was like, I got, he's going to suffer many great things for my namesake. And then I was like, well, I, I know a little bit about that, that calling. And he goes and he ministers to Paul or Saul at that time for a few days and is out. We hear nothing else about Ananias. There's so many people. If you read the book of Romans chapter 16, Paul gives a laundry list of people. He says, greet Phoebe, greet, greet all these people, greet Elisha's a sister. He said, Rufus, her mom, she's like a mom to me. He greets all these people. Why? Because they, they understood their unique purpose and calling. They weren't trying to be somebody else. And the value they added to Paul was exponential. The value you'll add to others when you are uniquely who God called you to be. Exponential exponential. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say this and I'm done because I want to, I can get so excited. I'm thinking to myself, I've already gone 22 minutes. I'm okay. I got to look at the clock. Praise God. <laughs> Listen, this is a, a, a cute little story. I'll close with this. A group of animals decided to improve their general welfare uh, by starting a new school in which the curriculum consisted of running and flying, climbing and swimming. And all of the animals took all of the subjects, right? The duck was really good at swimming and fair in flying. He was terrible in running. So he was made to drop the swimming class and stay after school to practice running. He kept this up until he was only average at swimming, but average was acceptable. The others, including the teacher, were no longer threatened by the duck's swimming abilities, so everyone felt more comfortable except the duck. The eagle was considered to be a problem student. For instance, in climbing class, he could beat all of the others to the top of the tree, but he insisted on using his own method of getting there. He had to be severely disciplined. And finally, because of his non-cooperation in swimming, he was expelled for insubordination. The rabbit started at the top of the class in running, but was woefully inadequate in other areas. Because of such makeup work and swimming, he had a nervous breakdown and, and dropped out of school. And the turtle was a failure in almost every single class. Y'all hear me, fam? His shell was considered to be the leading cause of his failure, so it was removed. This did help running a little bit. He became the first casualty of the new curriculum when he was stepped on by the horse. I think y'all get the point. Everybody does not fit the same mold, okay? We want you to zero in on you being uniquely who God called you to be and be a 10 in that for the glory of God, okay? Think about that, run in that. I'm for you, I believe in you, and I believe the best is yet to come in your lives. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my heart. Appreciate you all. Brother Monty. the floor is yours. Yes, sir, thank you so much. We're gonna do some Q&A here, but that line that was said that the standard is not what everybody else is. Listen, I've heard that said many times. I've said it myself, but I love the way you put it in that sentence. The standard, if you could grasp one thing from this, I hope someone grasped what was said. The standard of success is not what everybody else is doing. The standard of success is obedience. If we, if we really can grasp that, 
Um, I believe it's, it will liberate some of us from the pressures and expect from this thinking that, you know, one of the things I've tried to tear down in the young people I work with in my local church or just, or just in general mindset is that with God, there's a big obedience and there's a little obedience. And I've said this before sometimes, and I get what people say when they mean by this. So I'm not criticizing this, but but I think sometimes, you know, we look at David's life and we say, well, David was a shepherd boy and, 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 and that was the small point of his life. And that small private moment was preparing him for the big stage when he would slay Goliath. And, and if you stay faithful to God in private, then he's going to give you this big moment in public and you'll get your moment. And, 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 and while I hear what we're saying, and I've said that myself before, to God, the moments when he was by himself obeying, worshiping was just as special as when he obeyed God when he killed Goliath. It was just as special to God. It was just as a, so you might think you're in your P7 meetings and and and, and you're, you you said, I, all I'm doing, I, I'm talking to one person or I've been having meeting after meeting and I'm seeing the P7 club IG and people are blowing it up and their souls being saved and I haven't seen nothing. The, the standard of success, my goodness. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That just got me excited. The standard of success is obedience. We just got to obey God. We just got to obey him. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Thompson, for ministering so powerfully. We're going to do some Q&A um, here. Let's do some questions. We've got a great time here uh, for some good Q&A, uh, about 20, 25 minutes, just jumping to some questions here. We got some unanswered questions from previous, uh, from our last session. We had a lot last month. But as well, if you have any question you'd like to ask, uh, type it in the chat, either publicly. Some already sent me a message privately. Um, in the chat here, so I'll ask that question later on tonight. But if you've got any question relating to P7 or anything that was said tonight, or for Brother Akil, let's do this. Let's have a good time. Or as well, we have our director as well, Brother Boyd. If you've got any questions for P7 nationally, type it in the chat and he can answer those as well. Um, I'll, I'll start off with this. You're talking about comparison and remaining in that vein. Um also, I, I got to just correct something that was said tonight. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Lord help me. But that LeBron James being the second greatest. Anyways, sorry. sorry. I, I just had to I had to make sure that false doctrine was just replaced. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. But talking about comparing one to another, um, how do we deal, Brother Thompson, with um, low self-esteem, low self-worth? There are people on your night. Maybe they're involved in P7. Maybe they're not but they're a young person and they're struggling with how with low self-worth maybe because of somebody else they're comparing themselves to or or maybe what's going on in ministry and you know how do we i think sometimes we don't talk about this on how do we really deal with low self-esteem yeah you know um if we're not careful um i think it goes back to what we value and what we have to do is have an honest conversation with ourselves and say, hey, you know what? What do I value? And do I value the affirmation of others? And I'm not minimizing the affirmation of others uh, and the support of others and the likes that we get. But if we rely or we prioritize those things over what God says and how he feels about us, that's when we can get into trouble. And I think there are a lot of things, if we're being honest, like brutally honest, there could be a lot of things that could contribute to what we call low self-esteem. 
there could be, I'm not suggesting this is the case, but if there is, if there is unrepentant sin or just something you're struggling with, and it's like, man, God, I, I don't know why this is such a battle in my life. And what happens is there's a shame associated with that, but the Lord has the ability to roll back the shame. If you remember in Joshua, there was a generation yeah. of people that did not grow up. Listen, they did not grow up in Egypt. They were born in the wilderness, did not wow. live. We're not born in Egypt, but the Bible tells us that the Lord had to roll off the shame wow. off of the, the shame of Egypt off of that generation. Why? Because the previous generation put something onto them. That's why people can speak things over our lives and it affect us and it grab us or circumstances can do the same. And what we have to do is stop taking an L, you know, like stop taking failure as an L and take it as a lesson and learn how to fail forward and to grow and realize that's not final. You know what? Neither in, in, and really the root of it is this, if I could just keep it 100, the root of it is pride. The root of it is pride for all of us. I know that might sound really harsh because you're like, wait a second, I'm being self-deprecating. I'm saying I struggle with self-esteem. I'll never forget Jack Cunningham told me a story one time we were together. Uh, this is when I was, I think I might've been a youth secretary in Virginia. And uh, yeah, and Chad Douglas was the youth president. We're hanging out and he was telling us his story. He said, he said, I was traveling with my uncle, Billy Cole, right? Just a hero of the faith. And you hear so many wonderful things about Billy Cole. And he said, we were going to preach this conference. Brother Cole was. Brother Cole looked back at his nephew and said, hey, uh, Jack, son, whatever he called him. He said, you're preaching tonight. I'm not preaching. I'm going to tell the host I'm not preaching. <laughs> My man, Brother Cunningham, like had just like moments to prepare. And so he preaches and uh, he gets to Don and they're leaving in the car. And um, he looks at his uncle. And he says, uncle, I'm so sorry. He said, I, I just did a horrible job tonight. Just didn't go like I wanted. And I said, I just can't believe it. You gave me this opportunity. And I just, I just butchered it. I just butchered it. Brother Cole turns around and looks at him and I can't tell the story like Brother Cunningham. You know, he's a masterful storyteller, but he says, I rebuke that spirit of pride wow. in Jesus name. And Brother Cunningham's like, what, what, what are you talking about? What are you, I just said, I was horrible. I just said, I butchered it. I just said, I messed it up. Why are you, why are you rebuking me and chastising me like this? And he said, it's pride. He said, because if you'll take the credit when things go wrong, you'll take the credit when things go well. And so the result of it is this, it all belongs to God. And that goes back to the standard being obedience, hiding ourselves in the word of God. It's so much, it's so much, it's difficult to do. I get it. So I'm not knocking somebody who struggles with image and image awareness or emotional. I'm, I'm not minimizing any of that. And I'm not saying it's just, oh, you're prideful, you're prideful. But what I'm saying is, if you'll get the attention off of yourself yeah. and keep the attention on him and let him love you and complete you. Um, because here's the deal, right? Out of these insecurities it drives us to do certain things. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was, I was young in, in, in Jesus and I was like this, yo, now I'm just keeping it 100. I was, you know, brother is not bald because he wants to be, right? I, I didn't shave this because like I had no choice. You know, if I if I could rock the flat top fade like my man Imani, I'd be like, man, edge me up, get me right. You know, every weekend I'd be like, get your boy right. I, I, I can't do that. I was losing my hair when I was Imani's age, right? Cats were looking at me. See, that's what they, they doing what Imani was doing right now. 
<laughs> they doing what Imani was doing. They were like, this brother looked like he's 35 <laughs> and he's only 20. And so, man, my insecurities were just like greatly exaggerated. And I was so, you know, so insecure about how I looked and so disappointed that, you know, I looked like I was aging. I was like, ain't nobody going to want to be with me. And so, you know what? Because I couldn't find that, because I chose not to find my value in Christ. You know what I did? I did. I said, I, I went back to the only one who I thought would want me, my girlfriend from back in the world. And you know what that did? God began to deal with me about that and began to reveal to me the root of that. And here's what he told me. He said, I hadn't even thought about loving Jesus Christ with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And just the notion of him inviting me to love him, it was so irresistible. Something lifted from me. It was like a weight or a cloud. I'll never forget it. I saw it more clearly than I ever did before. But once that lifted, I was able to receive his love and no longer bound by what society said. And it was just like, hey, I'm just free, free in Jesus, and I'm good. I'm good. And, and that's it. So, you know, that was a very spiritual defining moment for me. I'm not unpacking all of it, but I just kind of wanted to share to give somebody some hope and let you know that uh, give yourself grace. Don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself grace and God will be with you. And he's got you. Sorry. I like a really long oh, answer. No, that, you know, it was said our past youth convention by um, one of our speakers. She said that, you know, sometimes, and there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Sometimes when we see people who are older in the faith, um, you know, we never hear about their low moments. And I, I just, as you were just sharing that, Brother Thompson, um, I believe for someone here tonight, that just helped them. Um, a real raw moment just like that, I believe could literally, maybe there's someone here tonight and that's you. Um, you know, you can see as a great man of God that Brother Thompson is, um, that there was moments when he he made the wrong choice and, and made it through. And so it's not your failures aren't final. Your insecurities will not define you. And you can, I think sometimes we have this image that all the great men and women of God we look up to did everything right all the time. And that's just not the case. So thank you so much for being just transparent and real. I, I really, as you were just speaking there, I'm like, and I feel it. There's someone maybe on you tonight. Maybe that's you tonight. Um, and you can grasp that and say, wow, you know, I, you know what? I'm just, I'm human. <laughs> You know, I'm human and I, I may have made mistakes. I may have made the wrong turn, but, but God still, I, I can do it. I can get back up again. I, yes. I, can, I can march up again. So, wow. This, thank you so much for that. Um, Brother Thompson, if you could just hang on here, there's some more questions here for you, but I just want to ask one. I want to ask a couple to Brother Boyd. There's one that was sent to me privately just a minute Absolutely. ago here um, uh, regarding P7 and then there's one, and then I want to wrap up again with yourself for, for Q&A. So here's one, Brother Boyd, if you could address this. Um, there's one, uh, an individual, if I understand the question right, they just said that there's someone coming to their P7 meeting, and and they've been trying to invite them to church. And I obviously would assume that's an apostolic church. And the person has refused to attend. But there's another young girl or male in the meeting who attends a Baptist church, and they invited that same individual there and they're attending that Baptist church. And this individual is asking, what should I do about that? And the second question would be, 
as well. If you could answer that as well, I'll loop these together. Um, should we continue doing P7 ministry in the summertime? So hopefully you grasp those two and we can jump towards those. But those are really two good questions here. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, in regards to the the, uh, the Baptist person that is, you know, inviting people to their church too. I, first of all, I just want to say like, if someone's attending your P7 club and they're Baptist, they are not your enemy. <laughs> uh, they're just, they're not your enemy. Uh, Jesus said, if there's, if there's anyone there, they're, you know, some of his, some of the uh, people hanging around Jesus, they're saying, Hey, these people are doing things in your name and you shouldn't be doing, they should be doing that. And Jesus kind of, he had to stop them and say, look, if, if anyone's doing anything to further the gospel, to further the kingdom, they're, they're not your enemy. So uh, this is not a competition. This is not a, uh, you know, we're not trying to strive to get more people than the church down the road. Uh, do we want people to come to the knowledge of Christ? Yes. Do we want people to, to receive the, the full understanding of the gospel? Yes. Do we want people to understand the power of Acts 2.38? Yes. Um, but I just think what damage could be done if you, if you were to go and try to say, hey, no, you can't attend that person's church because they preach false doctrine. You need to come to our church. You could, you could cause both of those people uh, to lose out in relationship with you. Here's what they can't deny. They can't deny your behavior, your attitude, your example, your knowledge of the word. You can't control what they do. You can control your response. And so if someone, what it could do is it could spark a question. Uh, why do they, why do they go to a Baptist church? What's the difference between their church and your church? And then you do it out of a heart of love to say, well, here's, here's, here's what we preach. Uh, here's what maybe is a little bit different instead of coming right out of the gate and saying, Hey, they're wrong. Uh, it just does it with a completely bad, it's going to put a bad taste in their mouth. So uh, it's not, here's the, here's the thing. Take the pressure off of yourself. You don't save them. You can't anyway. So take that pressure off. You don't save them. Um, you can, all you can do is witness. You invite, you plant seeds, you water those seeds and God gives, God's going to give the increase. Uh, so don't make this a competition. Uh, that's a really great, great question. Keep on loving them. Be their friend. You know, go to their baseball game. Go to their soccer game. Grab coffee with them. Get to know them uh, personally, whether or not they ever come to your church. That's that's not your job to save them. You handle the 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 sheep that God puts in your pasture. That's what you do. And so continue loving them. I hope that gives a little bit of understanding to that question. Uh, in regards to should we do P7 throughout the summer? Yes, absolutely. Uh, is it going to look a little different? Probably. Uh, there's something that's really uh, nice about people being in middle school and high school and you see them every week. And hey, after you know uh, class on Tuesday, we're getting together for P7. You're not going to have that luxury because you're not going to be around people a whole lot. And so it's going to take a lot more work. So let me just tell you up front, if your mindset is going to, I'm going to have this same four o'clock every Tuesday, P7 throughout the whole summer, you might be a little bit disappointed. So you might have to kind of adjust your, your goals here, um, but it might be really cool. We've seen a lot of clubs get together uh, and do a, a P7 bonfire, or they do a once, once a month Bible study. It's also a really great time to invite people to church, uh, to attend your church with you. Um, or your youth group with you, or your youth group is having a bowling night, come out with a whole P7 crew and, and do that. Um, at minimum, here's what I tell throughout the summer, here's what I tell kids. 
try to stay connected in some capacity. You don't want to just ghost the all your P7 club for three months. And then as soon as, you know, class starts up again in the fall, hey, let's go P7. They're like, wait a minute, I, where were you all summer? <laughs> it's like stay connected with them throughout the summer because these are people that God put in your life. Uh, at least like shoot them a text every week saying, how's your summer going? How's your week going? You don't want to just like ghost them because they can't attend your P7. It makes you seem like a disingenuine leader. And so stay, stay loving on them throughout the whole summer. If you can get together with the whole P7 squad, like make it happen. Let's go. Um, So yeah, adjust, maybe adjust the goals, but get together. Even if it's not for Bible stuff, you get together because you love them and you just want to hang out with them. That's a, you know, crazy idea. So. My goodness. What two balanced and efficient responses. Thank you so much, brother Boyd. I hope we grasp that. And I'm telling you, we're thankful to have him leading our P7 ministries here. I love the way you answered, especially both questions, but that first question, um, that they are not your enemy. That is, that's some real good stuff. Thank you so much. And I really, I hope we can grasp that and, and see that um, play unfold and watch what God does next. And, and one of the greatest things is, I know this is a cliche statement, so please don't kill me, but God's in control. And so if that person, you know I mean? They're on their journey. To, to find him, they will receive the Holy Ghost. They will be baptized in his name. And 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 in segueing as well in that question about relationships um, and connections with people, Brother Thompson, I want to pose this question to you as you are one who um, is involved, as you mentioned, in a, um, a church with a lot of new people. Um, how is, can you emphasize, and I think sometimes it's lost with some people who are maybe involved in P7 where they're, and sometimes, sometimes the focus can be just about that P7 meeting and that just that P7, everything is poured in that P7. But could you speak to how important relationships are outside of the meeting or in, in, to your context outside of that Sunday morning service out, or your kind of Sunday afternoon service? Could you speak towards that? How important is relationships and connecting with people and invest. Could you speak towards that and give us some examples towards that? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm just going to reiterate what Seth said in that, you know what, um, hopefully your motivation is love because you want to spend time with people. Uh, and if that's the motivation to connect with them, everything else really will fall in place. I really do believe that. I believe people feel it before they know it. And what I love about Paul, one of my favorite passages, it's, on my wall here in in, uh, Thessalonians, Paul says, Hey, not only did we give you the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we gave you our lives. And in essence, what he's saying is relationally, we were all in, I kind of peeled back the veil and let you see the good, the bad, and the ugly of who I am and did life with people authentically. If we are going to connect, it is going to be because we're willing to connect relationally. And while I understand and I appreciate metrics. I'm a systems and process guy, love administration. However, if your, your event is unhealthy, if your goal is to get X a number of people at the event, the goal or the win should be, you know what, what's the impact beyond the event? And so you have to begin to ask yourself, for example, you might have 50 people show up, but if it's very transactional, And there's no connection, there's no life change, there's no sense of community, uh, then you've just had an event and no true transformation. 
but we need biblical community. And so hear me, the only way that people are discipled is in relationships. It is not because a transfer of content has been disseminated or you sat in a course or you've tended P7s. It's because you hung out with somebody and did life with them uh, and connected with them in meaningful ways. And so what I would encourage you to do, uh, we believe and we teach and preach a biblical principle on discipleship of it happens. Discipleship happens in enduring relationships, doing life with people, letting them live it out with them and letting them see us live it out. It's like, hey, you know what? We don't have all the answers. He does. He is the answer. But I don't come off as some pseudo, you know, like you're the P7 leader. You might, you know, you guys at your respective campuses, they're kind of going to dub you to kind of have all the answers to every question. That's okay. You don't have to, to be that person. What I would encourage you to just be is authentic, love people. And if you love people, uh, it'll become infectious if you allow people to feel safe. Um, that's what people want. And I believe people will respond to that. I could give you a, a bevy of examples. I'll give you, uh, well, I won't just because this is public. <laughs> but we have, uh, we have had remarkable instances where people have gone through all types of transformations before coming to Christ. And yeah. it's been remarkable to see what God has done. And the church community is oblivious, but it's because we've made people feel loved and saved and valued. Uh, and join that journey. Here's what the Lord told me. Um, it's your responsibility to catch the fish. It's my responsibility to clean them. And so uh, we love on people and just love on them, encourage them, connect with them. And I think relationships is where it happens. Um, notice, even in scripture, give you an example. You look at what happened with Paul. We talked about Ananias earlier. The Bible tells us that Paul stayed there for a few days and was strengthened. Wasn't hanging out in church, didn't sit in a discipleship class, but breaking bread because he was fasting. He received the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, he's strengthened, not by the food, but by the relationship, the connection. And he's like, man, you know what? He was strengthened by that connection so much so that when he begins and he thinks he can stand boldly in the synagogue and preach Jesus, these people are ready to kill him. His family in Damascus, who was not his biological family, was willing to put their life on the line and let him out of a tight place and let him down or let him down a wall, holding onto the rope because of relationship. That would have never transpired. Think about what that's, that's what formed his early Christianity. His early Christianity was, hey, Saul, you're my brother. That's the first thing Ananias said to him, relationship. Not like, oh my God, you killed so-and-so, you split these families. I'm, I'm, I'm counseling this grieving mother. He said, you're my brother. And that transformed Saul in his ministry. That's why I think it was so effective. So I believe if we'll remain relational, connect in that way and do so, we're going to be all right. And plant those seeds. That's where it grows. Let me, let me say this and I'm done. When you plant those seeds of the gospel, they grow best in an authentic atmosphere. Yeah. It could be good. You can be planting a good seed in good soil, but be fake and it won't grow. But if you plant a good seed in good soil and are authentic, it will grow and God will bless it. Praise God. 
Praise God. I, I want to end this, Brother Thompson, with two questions here. I'd like to have, ask every guest speaker. But before I go there, I want, as you were speaking, I don't know why I'm adding on so much. I just, I just think that you've been speaking so powerfully tonight. And uh, I, I, I just remember this one moment in my life where just lines up with what you said. I was watching this sermon by Bishop T.F. Tenney titled Power Follows Passion. And he was talking about being in covenant with the land that God's placed you to be in. Again, relationships. And, and I, I honestly believe, you know, I, I was in the moment and I saw a question here about someone asking, what do I do with my P7 club for my senior year? I was in that same predicament. I seen God do some amazing things, but I wasn't in covenant with the, I, I was just thinking of, man, I'm just going to do, I love people. I always loved souls, but I didn't understand really the power of connecting with people on a deeper level. And mm. I decided to, after that sermon, I remember I was like, all right, God, I am going to stop thinking about just graduating and leaving this place. And it's time for me to get in and talk to the people that I wouldn't normally talk to and get in covenant with it. I'm talking about the nerds. I'm talking about the geeks. I'm talking about the yearbook committee. I'm talking about the jocks. You know, that was usually my natural crew. I was usually around the athletes. Those people. I stepped out of my comfort zone and said, it's time to reach everybody. And when I did that, um, God really began to do amazing things. So being in covenant relationships, connecting with people, so powerful. It's something I'm so passionate about. But Brother Thompson, to close us out tonight, I want to ask these two questions and maybe someone can grasp something from one of these things that you say. The first one is, and again, thank you for taking so much time out of your busy schedule to minister to the people here. And I know people are going to be blessed by this on the YouTube page. Um, and as well on the National P7 podcast. We're going to listen later. But Brother Thompson, um, what, what would be your greatest regret in ministry that you have that you like maybe you would have could, or maybe you don't have any, I don't know. You could, but what would be your greatest regret? And the second question is, what would be your best advice for every young person that's on this call and we'll listen on later? Um. Well, this, this season of life that I'm in, I'm 45, so this may not necessarily resonate, but I'm probably maybe at the halfway point, depending upon what the Lord does and how he tarries. So, you know, uh, perspective is an interesting thing. I have two teenagers. My son will be 16 soon. My daughter will be 18 in the latter part of this year. And I am a doer. Um, I love to work. Um, I do happen to work vocationally for the church, uh, and I've probably done that now 14 years, 15 years. But even before then, I was a, just a workaholic. I would just grind. Uh, but here's what I would tell you all. Before you're doers, and there's nothing wrong with doing, that's necessary. Make sure you take time to be in his presence to be with him. Because let me tell you the calibration that had to take place. And Seth talked about how you need to recalibrate some things in your life, uh, your expectations. Uh, but for me, I just recently had the Lord kind of reveal to me, if you just do, 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 and do ministry, um, you can be careful and do ministry and not have the kingdom. And so see Jesus, when he comes, he's preaching the kingdom. That's the only thing he preaches so much so that they're like, well, when is it going to happen? When, after he resurrects himself with many infallible proofs and is with him for 40 days, they're still asking him about the kingdom. The last thing they ask him, are you going to do it now? And he's probably like, I'm out. 
y'all drive me crazy. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ascend into heaven. And they just stand looking like, you know, cause they were so obsessed about the kingdom, the kingdom. And they thought it was going to be a natural one on the earth, but ministry can replace the kingdom. But see, ministry doesn't have righteousness, peace, and joy wow. in the Holy Ghost. But the kingdom does. So I understand the concept of ministry and I understand the question. But what I would say is make sure that the kingdom is the focus, the kingdom of God. Have the kingdom of God in your ministry. Because if you do, you'll be in right relationship. You'll have peace. You won't be stressed out. The will of God is not to burn you out. Okay. Every good idea is not a God idea. Wow. God is, you are no good, you know, overproducing, tired, tired, a tired body produces tired faith. And then joy ministry does not produce joy, but Holy ghost does. And if you have those things, you'll have the kingdom. You'll be very fulfilled and everybody that is around will want to be a part of that. But if it's your ministry, then it'll be predicated upon your personality. It'll be predicated upon their preferences and what they're for and what you're for and aligning. That's not what you want. You want kingdom alignment. So you want the kingdom. Um, and the other thing, so that's kind of a regret. Uh, and the other thing was you're asking, what, what, what was that, the last question? Best piece of advice you could give. Maybe Best that was it. I don't know. I, maybe that was. Yeah. You know what? I, if I could just say this, just a, a recurring theme for me is just love people. Yeah. I know that it sounds corny and you talked about cliche, but just love God and love people like genuinely like cover people, restore people. The Bible says you who are spiritual, restore one another in a spirit of meekness. Can we just stop playing games and just realize we're all struggling? Now, I don't mean like we're all licking our wounds and I mean, we're, we're not living for God. But what I'm talking about is we all have things that we're fighting, fighting and battling. And, you know, we have high highs and low lows sometimes. And sometimes we're thinking, what, what am I doing? How does this even is it is even real? What, what, what's happening here? Can, if, if you would just understand that you can be authentic and some people can't handle that authenticity. And that's not your problem. That's theirs. But you need to get connected to some people where you can authentically be who you are so you can run this race with purpose and freedom and joy and know the greatest thing I've ever done is had true accountability where people in my life, my pastor and elder in my life and my wife know the good, the bad and the ugly about me. And it took me a long time to get to that place because I wanted to know if they would respect me after they knew they knew the good they might have known some clip notes on the bad but they ain't know the ugly now my wife knew it because you know she lives with me you know but when i had to reveal all that it was like okay and i got over that fear and realized they still loved me cared for me prayed for me invested in me my my heart was free and i was like is this what relationships supposed to be like I was like, is this what the relationship with your pastor is supposed to be like? I was like, you mean I ain't got to fake him out? I was like, praise God. I was like, you know, because sometimes you see your man of God and you're like, oh, God, he can see it right now. I know he's he going to call me out. I'm done. I'm done. No, 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 no. So I would encourage you all uh, be authentic with God and appropriately authentic with your spiritual leaders. That means you got to tell everybody your business and Lord knows you ain't got to put it all out there on social media. I know y'all, y'all are living like living your best life and, but you know. 
determine, you know, use some discernment as to who you share with. So that's, that's my, my little bit of advice. Brother Thompson, thank you as always. Um, love your spirit. Thank you for ministering to us so greatly. Brother Boyd, thank you for your leadership for P7 nationally. And all y'all, thank you for being a part of these monthly calls. God bless y'all and have a great, great Monday evening. And we'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for joining us on this P7 podcast today. We hope that you feel inspired to unlock your faith, unleash truth, elevate Christ, and serve others in your home, in your church, in your community, in your school. Uh, if you want more information about Project 7 Bible Clubs, uh, visit p7clubs.com, and we've got incredible resources ready for you right there.